0: Well, my name is Nate, one of the pastors here at this church. Glad to be able to be standing here before you this morning. Would you open your Bibles to John chapter 4? Uh, David has allowed me to continue in the book of John. Um, we are in our last week of life groups. And so we thought it would be fitting to might as well, you know, end in John where we began. Um, as you're opening up there, I have a little little statement, you know... Um, it's been said of the Grand Canyon that it's one of the world's most spectacular scenes. You know, you have the the vastness of the depth of it. You know, you have the multi-hue topography, and it's just really spectacular. Quite possibly the world's most visually stunning landscape. But, you know, there's sometimes things that we experience that we try to describe in words, but words kind of fail to really express the beauty or the experience, right? I mean, we can talk about the Grand Canyon and how it's one mile deep and so many miles miles wide. You know, it's one thing to talk about it. But it would, be, it would mean so much more, right, if you, if you could see the Grand Canyon, right? Like when you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, now I see what you mean. You know, because in our, in our world today, we really live by the motto, I've got to see it to believe it. Right? I mean, when someone tells you something, you're like, well, I don't, I got to, before I believe you can slam dunk, I, I want to see that before I believe that, right? Right? Uh, before you tell me your you know Toyota Tacoma gets thirty miles on you know a gallon, I want to see that. Really. Does that really get thirty miles a gallon? I don't think so. Seek to believe. But here's the thing: in the kingdom of God, it's quite the opposite, right? God's desire for you and I is to be a people that believes before we see. Now, that's very hard. That's incredibly difficult. To believe in something before you see that something? That's where we find ourselves this morning. As we look at our text today. Isn't that what faith is? Isn't faith believing in something before you see it? Isn't that what Hebrews 11 tells us, right? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The NIV puts it this way, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Remember Noah? God says, Noah, go build a boat. What's a boat? Well, Noah, it's going to rain. What's rain? Uh, Noah, it's going to rain so much that it's going to flood. Flood? Flood? Yeah, man, Noah, you're going to build a boat that's going to float for the flood, right? That's what you're going to do. You know, and Noah for 100 years is building that ark. He believed he never saw. 100 years later when the rain began to fall. And that's what I believe we're going to find in our text this morning is that Jesus will be skillfully drawing out faith from a man. This nobleman we're going to encounter in just a moment. He's going to begin with feeble faith. Faith that has to be supported by something visible. But Jesus, through a conversation, through strengthening, through drawing, is going to move this man's faith from feeble faith to ferocious faith. Faith that will leave the presence of Jesus with only a promise to believe in. This morning we're going to encounter three components, three aspects of faith. Faith seeking, faith strengthening, faith stepping. And we're going to begin in John chapter 4 verse 43. Would you look there as we read? Now after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they had gone to the feast, verse 46. And so Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea and into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we were gathered in this building For a numerous amount of reasons. One, perhaps because we've been compelled to come by our spouse or our family. And we're sitting here uneasy. Unsure of what lies ahead. Maybe some of us are here because we enjoy the worship and the fellowship. Enjoy seeing our brothers and sisters. So others of us are here, we've got nowhere else to turn. And on this Sunday, we've found ourselves in church. Lord, no matter what the reason is, we are all here at this place, at this time. And I ask by your Holy Spirit that although we are here corporately in a group, you're going to speak individually. By the power of your Holy Spirit, you're going to Prick hearts today. You're going to encourage some. You're going to convict others. And Lord, I recognize it's not my word, that it's your word that does this. And we pray, your word would be spoken here in this place today and accomplish what its end is desired, Lord. We thank you, we praise you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Verse 43 says this. Now after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. From, from where, where, where is he talking about? You see, Jesus had previously been in Samaria where he met the woman at the well. And in a fascinating conversation that we've been studying these past few weeks through Pastor David, Jesus has this conversation with this woman, and I believe she comes to faith in Jesus as her Messiah. She leaves the well, goes back to town and says, Come and see a man. He told me all that I ever did. Now in verse 40 of chapter 4, this is what we read. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now this is important. It's kind of setting the stage for our whole whole time here this morning. The Samaritans believed Jesus. Merely because of what he said. They first believed the testimony of the Samaritan woman, and then they heard Jesus himself and they believed when they heard him speak. Now, in verse 43, Jesus is coming back north from Samaria, traveling north to Galilee. Right? You got Judea down below, Samaria in the middle, and uh, Galilee up top in the north. It's where his hometown was. It's where Nazareth was, right? This is like where he went to high school, It's all his old buddies are at, right? And that's why in verse 44, Jesus would say this, right? He would say, for uh, Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe a guy's a Messiah, like when you grew up with a guy, right? You saw him go through puberty, right? You saw him like when he, when he made his first coffee table. You're like, man, that thing wasn't even that good. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. Now, now notice this. You would think that the next verse, Jesus coming back home to his hometown in Galilee, you would think that because Jesus has said a prophet has no honor in his own country, that the next verse would say, so therefore the Galileans, his hometown, rejected him. That's not what it says. Look at verse 45. So when he came to Galilee... The Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they had been at the feast. So why did the Galileans receive him? Because they saw what he had done. Before the woman at the well, he was in Jerusalem at the Passover. It's there we read in John chapter 2 that Jesus makes that whip, you know, and drives out the oxen from the temple. It's there that he overturns the tables. It's there that he would speak of his death and his resurrection. It's there that John chapter 2 would tell us about how Jesus did all these other signs and wonders while he was there. So the Galileans, they were there and they saw all these things. And so when Jesus comes back in the town, they're like, oh, what's up? It's my homeboy Jesus. We're going to receive you. Yeah, yes. This is excellent. Because they had seen what he had done. And so, this morning, we're going to find out which one are you. Are you a Galilean that believes in Christ because of what you've seen? Or are you like a Samaritan who simply heard the word of Jesus and believed him on that alone? I believe maybe you're like me, a little bit of both. And this morning, my prayer... And I believe the desire of God for us today is to crank up our faith volume, right? To crank it up a notch. To increase and strengthen and deepen our faith. I pray that by the time we leave here this morning, maybe you came with feeble faith. You will leave with ferocious faith. To believe before we see. And well, The first thing I want us to notice this morning is that faith consists of seeking. Faith seeking. Look at verse 46 with me, please. And so Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made water, wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So John is calling our mind back to the first miracle of Jesus, where he was at a wedding celebration. It was an incredible event. and He performs this miracle of turning water to wine. You know, weddings are incredible. It's always, too, it's always great to include Jesus at your wedding. I actually did a wedding yesterday of one of my old high school students. Uh, it was just a pleasure to be there. Actually, he gave me these, boot, these new boots, actually, as a wedding gift. It was kind of exciting, you know. It was, a, it was a good time. It was at Stowe House. It's a beautiful day. And Jesus was there at that wedding yesterday. Now, he did not turn any water to wine, but he made two become one. Time of celebration. But what we have before us today is not a period of celebration, but of devastation. Did you notice that in verse 46? There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Something about a period of devastation that can drive us to Jesus. Oftentimes, when we come to the end of ourselves, right, we we end up finding God there. And this is how we come across this nobleman. He's seeking Jesus out of despair, out of suffering, out of a trial. Out of a period of time when he is down and out. Look at verse 47. So when he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea, right, and he's back in Galilee, he went to him and he implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. What I want you to notice, this is the beginning of faith for this nobleman. Although it's weak, although it's feeble, it's just starting out as a seed. He heard about Jesus. You see that? He heard. Well, what did he hear? That Jesus is like David Blaine, you know, some street musician doing some tricks in the street. He does some cool stuff in Jerusalem, you know, with a whip and turn the tables over. Nonetheless, he'd heard about Jesus. Now, this nobleman probably was rich, and you can imagine That he had tried all the medicine that money could buy, and yet his son was still sick. And so, driven to just the end of himself, he hears about Jesus and he goes to meet him. I believe, of course, you know, it doesn't take too far to think about as a parent how you can relate to this nobleman, right? This father, such a grief stricken. Bringing himself to seek Jesus. There's nothing worse than seeing your child in pain. Uh, I mean, there's just nothing like it. I've only experienced it just a a little bit in my short time as being a parent, and and it's horrible. This father, he had just a grain of faith. I heard about Jesus. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go try. Let's go try. Let's go see. He takes what faith he has. It's not even for himself. It's for his son. And he brings it to Jesus. Friends, all, all faith starts out as a seed, right? All faith starts out small. And, and maybe, maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you're here and you're just, you're just got faith that's just barely there. Like I mentioned in my prayer, maybe you don't even know why you're in this place this morning. You're just, you just you just, just got such a small amount of faith. Maybe this Jesus guy, I heard about this place, I heard about this guy. I guess I'll just check it out. That's where this man is. But when you take even weak faith, you bring it to Jesus, you place it in Jesus, you are going to watch it grow. And that's what we're going to find this morning, friends. First, he... This faith that he had, it it influenced him. Notice it, it drove him to Jesus to seek him out personally. Did you see that in verse 47, right? He heard about Jesus. He went to Jesus. Now this nobleman, what that means is he was a king's man. Maybe your Bible says that he was an official. He was a man of the king. He served the king. He worked for the king. The king at this time was Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great. Herod Antipas was a king over that northern region. He served him. He was a man of power, prestige, popularity, place. Uh, some commentators are trying to figure out who exactly was this nobleman. Uh, some think that he was a man named uh, Chusa, who we, learn, uh, we read about in Luke chapter 8. Others say that he was this man named Manan in Acts 13. Regardless, regardless of who he is, he seeks out Jesus. And I want you to notice this. He sought Jesus despite the inconvenience. As David and Ingelo mentioned, they are in Cana and Capernaum. It's about 20 miles from Capernaum to Cana. It would be about a day's journey. doesn't send his servant. He doesn't send anybody else. Not his wife. Not his slave. He goes himself personally. He mounts on his horse. I believe that he's riding a horse because he's a nobleman. Ain't no way, he's walking. His son is sick. He's going to get there as fast as he can. He gets on his horse and rides as fast as he can personally to meet Jesus. Friends, I I was struck what what are you willing to do to seek Jesus? You know, we, we don't like to be, I don't like to be inconvenienced. I, I don't like to go out of my way to do something, right? I mean, like, what's with all the construction in Santa Barbara lately, right? I thought we were, like, broke as a state. You mean, you mean I can't go north on Fairview? I gotta go all the way to Los Caneros. It's like 200 yards. I gotta go past the CHP. I gotta do that crazy little roundabout thing that they built a few years ago. You know what that's all about? We're not in France, you know. That's how I gotta go. I don't like to be inconvenienced, right? Do you do you allow inconvenience to detour you from Jesus? I was going to sting a little bit, but, but that's why many of you are not in a life group. Because life groups interrupt your weekly routine to put you in an inconvenience. You see, we often, myself, we, me, we, we want a faith that fits, right? No, we, we want a faith that leaves me where I am. We want a faith that saves my face. I don't want to be inconvenienced. But that's not what Christ would have from, from us. It's not what Christ desires. What an inconvenience he went through to die upon the cross for us, right? So, this nobleman, he goes personally, despite the inconvenience, he approaches humbly. I want you to notice this word in verse 47. So he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, and he went to him, and he implored him to come down. That word for implored, it just means to beg, to plead, to grovel, right? Here's the scene. Nobleman hears about Jesus hops on his horse, travels 20 miles from Capernaum to Canaan as fast as he can, as hard as he can. Goes to Canaan. Where's Jesus, man? Where's Jesus? You know, it's a town. Where's he at? Where's he at? He's over there. Okay, I'm going. Runs over there. Hops off his horse. Falls down on his face and says, come, Jesus, come. My son is sick. Please. Begging. He was a man of rank. But he said, he put that all aside and said, let me just, I got to beg Jesus to come. That's where many of us fail. That's where many of us stop. We don't want to come humbly to Jesus. The nobleman did. I want you to notice this. The word for implored here is in the imperfect tense in the Greek. That means it was a continual action. It means an action that is repeated and repeated and repeated. So this is weird. Here comes the nobleman. On his horse, boom, 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 galloping, sees Jesus hops off, begins to beg, Jesus, come see my son. Jesus, come see my son. Jesus, come, come to my house. Jesus, come. He's imploring, he's begging, he's repeating. What's happening here? Is Jesus ignoring this man? Here's the thing. Jesus is never in a hurry. Jesus is never in a frantic hurry frenzy the emergency of this nobleman will become the opportunity for Jesus to draw out faith your emergency his opportunity you remember John chapter 11 Jesus receives a message Jesus the one that you love is sick the Bible says that Jesus, this, this man was Lazarus, and Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved his sister Martha and Mary. And even though he loved them, when he heard the message, what did he do? He waited two days. He waited two days. The emergency of Lazarus and Mary and Martha would become the opportunity that God the Son would use to draw out faith. In fact, this is what Jesus says in John eleven three. He says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified in it. This emergency became an opportunity to reveal the glory of God. He would strengthen faith in Mary and Martha, and he would raise Lazarus from the dead. How about Luke 8? Jairus, Jairus the, the, the ruler of the synagogue, his daughter is sick. It's an emergency, Jesus. Come to my house. My daughter is sick. Jesus begins to walk. On the way there to the house, a woman out of nowhere touches his garment. Jesus stops the whole thing. Stop, 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 stop. Someone just touched me. He has a conversation with this woman. Imagine, Jesus, it's an emergency, man. Let's get out of here. Let's go to my house. In fact, his daughter was so sick that she dies while they're walking back to the house. Jesus, opportunity, heals this woman, strengthens her faith, and tells Jairus, hey, your your daughter, she's going to live again. Don't be afraid. Strengthens this man's faith. Raises his daughter from the dead. Your emergency, his opportunity. That's what we're going to see with this nobleman. He's going to strengthen faith, strengthening. Verse 48. Verse 48. So Jesus would say to him, Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Now the way to exercise, way to strengthen faith is to exercise faith. We're going to see a few areas where Jesus is going to add some weight to this nobleman's faith. First, will the nobleman's faith give up? Will it quit? You see, Jesus responds in verse 48, this statement that must have been like a a cup of cold water splashing on the face of the nobleman, right? Unless you see signs and wonders. What? What was Jesus doing? Why would he say that, right? He wanted to see, is the nobleman's faith, is it like the Galileans around him? Is he just like wanting to see a miracle? Is he just going to give up at this? Is is, is he going to persevere and push on? Is he gonna believe me just for my power, or believe me because of who I am as my person? I'm the Son of God. Can you imagine having a son or a daughter that only comes to you when they need something from you? And you're like, yes, that happens all the time. I need some, I need the car keys, I need some money, I need this. What kind of relationship is that, right? To have with your son or your daughter. They only talk to you when they need something. So often I find myself like that. I treat God like that Aladdin's lamp. I take it off the shelf. Give it a good rub. And make my request. God, do this. God, do that. Jesus was testing this man's faith. Are you just going to give up? Are you going to persevere? Are you going to push on? Are you like everybody else? That's why I love the nobleman. He doesn't give up, right? Verse 49, the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Again, he begs. It's even more intense. The word there for child that the nobleman says, it, it, it speaks even more like a, a, a dear, loved, my, my beloved son, the one who I am love. It was just even a greater request, he asked. To Jesus, this man had a persevering faith, I believe. He didn't give up. I'm reminded of Matthew 7, right? We're to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Keep on keeping on. You ever think about what if Joshua would have stopped on day six? Hey, I've been doing this for six days. Marching around Jericho. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and not one stone's fallen. Forget about it. I'm done. He would have been one day short of witnessing a miracle from God. Friends, don't stop on six. You got to keep on going. Don't give up. Let faith persevere. Let it keep on. That's what Love the told me. He didn't give up. He said, All right, Jesus, no. I don't want to just see signs and wonders. I, I, I'm believing in you. My faith is growing. Come down. Come down. Unless my son dies. It won't stop. So Jesus will add a little bit more weight to his faith. All right, you didn't give up. But will your, will your faith give in? Will it give in? I, I mean, will will you surrender you see the old man made two errors in his request first he believed that the presence of jesus was needed for healing and he believed the power of jesus was limited by dying right did you notice that he says jesus Come down. Come to my house. I don't know if it's going to work if we're in Cana. Let's go 20 miles and let's go to my place. Come to my house and then it's going to work out. Before my child dies, if my child dies, I think it's over. There's nothing you can do. You see, Jesus will respond in verse 50, Jesus said to him, go your way. Noblemen said, come. Jesus said, go. Oftentimes, we, we come to God with our own idea of how it's supposed to work out. Like Naaman coming to Elisha, right? Naaman thought he was certain of how his healing was supposed to happen from leprosy, Right? I ain't going to no Jordan River seven times. No way. You ever come to Jesus with a request out of desperation? You have a, a need burning in your heart. And yet in your mind, you already have a way where Jesus should work it out right. You already have it all figured out how he is to respond. You pray Come down, Lord. But He does not come. He does not come. It's here that we need faith that gives in. I mean, surrenders. Lord, I, I kind of think I have a way I like this to work out, but I, I'm going to give that up. And I'm going to surrender how you would like this to happen. You're not responding how I want you to respond. But you're the perfect father. And the father knows best. Hebrews 12.2 describes Jesus. As the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He bestows faith. He grows faith. He knows just what to do. Now Jesus could have gone with the nobleman. He could have gone down. He could have traveled 20 miles. Could have been in the nobleman's house. But he didn't go. Because he was drawing out faith. He was strengthening this man. Bringing him to a place of deepness and intensity. Maybe that's you here today. You've been praying for God to answer in a certain way, and he has not done it. Friends, you need faith. I need faith to surrender. Say, okay, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Of course, it's easy for me just to say that. It's harder to actually live that out. And that's why the third step is faith stepping. What's this nobleman going to do? The final weight added to this exercise of strengthening faith. Will the nobleman go out? You see, faith is not an action, not just an emotion, but an action. Jesus says to him in verse 50, Go your way, your son lives. Now although he did not answer the request to go to the house... He does give him a promise. Your son lives. I want you to understand how radical this moment is right now, right? I mean, everything's been leading up to this moment. Feeble faith, weak faith. Jesus is drawing him out, drawing him closer. What's he going to do? I said, come. Jesus says, go. I love what happens. Verse 50, so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. The noble man leaves the presence of Jesus with just a promise from Jesus. It's radical, man. He believed before he saw. Just the bare word of Christ. And he goes out from his presence. That's radical, man. That's intense. This is what Alexander McLaren says, a great Bible commentary uh, commentator. And, this, and that is what you and I have to do. We have Christ's bare word and no more to trust to for everything. We must be content to go out of the presence chamber of the king with only his promise and to cleave to that. That's where you and I stand today. And as we close, I want to have two two points of of closure here. First, the result from faith is immediate. The reward of faith takes time. Look at verse 51. And now as as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives And then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. They said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him." Now, what's been captivating my mind so interesting is this word yesterday. Yesterday at the seventh hour, it would have been about 1 p.m. Yesterday at 1 p.m., that's when the fever left your son. What? That means this nobleman. Comes to Jesus, frantic, racing. Heal my son, Jesus. The word goes forth. At 1 p.m. on Monday. Now he could have, if it was me, I would have raced right back home, man. Hop back on my horse. Go home. 20 miles. It was a good journey, but you could have done it. He doesn't do that. He must stay in Cana. He must spend the night there. Waked up the next day. Begins his journey back home. His servants meet him. The result of faith is immediate. He came to Jesus frantic, freaking out, begging, please, Jesus, come. Jesus spoke the word, your son lives. Boom. The result of faith, instant calm. Rest. Peace. So much so, he doesn't even go back home yet. He stays in Canada, Maybe, maybe he hung around Jesus some more. I don't know what he did. Maybe goes a little bit of the way and spends the night in a hotel. Wakes up the next day. Immediate, the result of his faith changed him instantly. Friends, we know that's true. You desire forgiveness this morning. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. To forgive your sins. Boom! Believe it. Receive it. It's done. Salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You believe it? Boom! Salvation. The result of faith is immediate, it's the reward of faith that takes time. This man. Here's the word, the word of promise. Your son lives. And for about a day, he spends walking as if it had already happened. Right, He hadn't seen it yet. He doesn't experience the truth of the promise till the next day when he goes back home. He believed before he saw. The reward of faith takes time. This is where I find myself very much often on the long walk back home. I've heard the word. I believe the word. But I haven't actually seen it come to pass. I'm praying for my my brother. I'm praying for my sons. I'm praying for my daughter but I haven't seen it happen yet. I gotta disbelieve it as I'm walking home. Some of you have been walking home for more than a day. You've been walking home for a long time. And you've been praying, Lord, come down. You've been asking, Lord, would you you heal me? Would you save my family? Would you do this? And it seems as if there's a promise in his word, but you haven't experienced it yet. Friend, we need faith to see the invisible. Maybe the reward won't even be on this home. It'll be maybe in the heavenly home. I'm mindful of Joseph, you know. While being in Egypt, he told his family, hey guys, God will visit you. He's going to take you out of Egypt into the promised land. So when he does, take my bones with you. He's going to come. Joseph saw the invisible. Friends, that's what God is asking of you and I, to believe before we see. God said it, I believe it, that's the end of it. It's easy to say, hard to put steps to. But if we do, I believe faith will begin to just explode. That's what happens, faith begins to spread in this man's home. As we close, right, look what it says in verse 53. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said to him, your son lives. He himself believed even greater. His whole household believed. And this again is a second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea. And the Galilee faith spread. It was shared through his whole household. And that's, that's that's a sweet promise right there. You become on fire for Jesus. You allow faith to spread, faith to grow. It's going to permeate all around you, man. Now, as we close this morning, I just am so heavy-hearted because I, I just know as a, as a part of this church, we have been going through some hardly trials as a pastor. We, we've been at the hospital a lot these past weeks. A lot of hurt, a lot of pain. A lot of prayers but are going up for healing. Doesn't seem to be answered. But friends, we've got to believe before we see. We've got to take God's word at his word and begin the walk back home. And I believe God will reward that kind of faith. And so, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we have an opportunity to respond to your word. Lord, I'm just so mindful of how many people even here at this service have been praying, Lord, come down. And yet it seems that you're not coming. And so, Lord, would you grant us faith that surrenders, that says, I don't see it now. But I believe I'll see it someday. You said it. I believe it. That's the end of it, Jesus. Grow faith like that in us today, Lord. We believe that you are the perfect Father and that Father knows best. Help us see the invisible today, Jesus. For faith is believing what we do not see. And the reward of faith is seeing what we believe in. Lord, I believe many testimonies are here today who have seen the reward of faith. They've experienced you answering prayers, you coming through, following through, showing up, responding. At the same time as many here, that we're waiting, when we're waiting. And while we wait, we will trust. We will believe grow that faith in us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.